Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It has been a busy day at Charlotte Motor Speedway. A little bit overcast, but both Xfinity Series and Cup teams able to get out on track for practice sessions. Another practice for Xfinity drivers will take place in about an hour with Monster Energy Cup qualifying slated for tonight. Hello and welcome to NASCAR America. Chris Devota back with Kyle Petty here in our NBC Sports studio. We'll be heading out to the track in just a bit, but what a day yesterday. The Hall of Famers announced. And tomorrow, Kyle, you and I are here for a very special show highlighting the traditions that accompany Memorial Day weekend of racing. Do you think you can handle, do you have the endurance, to uh, the stamina to make it? I think I might. I think you might? What I've, I've done nothing for the last six months, so I've been in training. And you'll hear that same quote from saying, a driver a little bit later. It's like our own little inside <laughs> joke, but you're all going to be in on it in just a little bit later in the show, having a lot of fun. We mentioned that both Xfinity and Cup cars have already been on track out of the Charlotte Motor Speedway today. The Cup drivers kicked things off just after 2.30 Eastern time. I didn't know if we'd really go through with it. Then we yeah, went through with that at the top we of the did. show. Okay. The Penske cars were fast. Let's start with Brad Kozlowski. He was third quick. No surprise there, right? No, no surprise. These are the guys that have been fast all year long. The Fords have been fast, so I, I think we expect it from the Fords, and especially after watching the All-Star race. Even though it's a different package, these teams, the teams that ran up front last week, are going to be the teams that you're going to contend with this week. Yeah, the rule's different for this weekend's race than they were last week at Charlotte. What about... Uh, so you said they were fast, so again, if Brad's out there, so his teammate probably is too. Ryan Blaney, whose best finish in this race is 20th, was P2. Yeah, and, and we saw Blaney. Strong last week. Uh, strong at Kansas, strong on the la last time we were at a mile-and-a-half racetrack. Uh, this team is, is, it reminds me a lot of Ryan Newman. When this team shows up, they've got a shot at the pole, and they're going to run good. Yeah, pole qualifying, uh, uh, qualifying again for the pole tonight. The Fords might have been quick, but the fastest in practice was in a Toyota. His name is Denny Hamlin. He caught the lap uh, just over 190 miles per hour. Which is totally impressive. I mean, I don't, it's hard to imagine 190 mile an hour at, at this racetrack, but uh, the Toyotas have been strong there. We've seen uh, Martin Truex lead so many laps there and, and win the race uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but, I mean, the Toyotas and the Fords, that's who it seems to be down to this year. Well, here are the top ten speeds from practice one. Again, top by Denny Hamlin. He's looking for his first Cup Series win at Charlotte. He was one of three Joe Gibbs Racing drivers in that top ten, along with Eric Jones in fifth and Daniel Suarez in seventh. There you see Kevin Harvick again, who's just been class of the field. He was 14th quick. Okay, let's hear from another driver. Let's go out to the track. I, I don't Is this guy, I don't know, Dave Burns, is this guy a driver or a TV guy? This weekend, he is he. Well, Krista, he's both driver and TV guy this weekend. But Kyle, you'll appreciate this. We're going to talk to Landon Castle later in the show too. He's right over there. Parker just leaned over and said, "Hey, what's 600 miles feel like?" <laughs> he's never done the 600 before. This is the weekend, Parker. You yep. were on track earlier today. What was practice like? Uh, it was great. We unloaded in Q trim, and I felt like I really underdrove our first lap on track, so that's on me. I felt like we could have been a little quicker, um, but the whole team, Mark Hillman, my crew chief, 
had a good plan in place and a little bit for me to kind of work myself up in Q trim. You know, these cars are so different than four years ago when I last drove them and what you're doing driving style wise, how you're trying to hold the aero platform on the entry of the corner to make it best through the center of the corner and then subsequently make it able to get off the corner. So it's very technical um, and it's fractions of a second, right? I mean, it's the difference between us being 28th in practice and maybe getting the top 24, we'd get in the second round is like a half a 10th or less. So it's that it's the little things I do in the car that make a big difference. Um, so I had to learn a lot of that and I got better the three runs we had. So I'm hoping to get out and qualify. And we'll see as the sun sets, the grip level goes up. And if I can, you know, go out there and rise at the grip level, as Jimmy Johnson would say. Well, and you were on track last week in the truck series race. So how much did that help you just knowing, okay, least I know Charlotte, I know where, where the bumps are. I know how to get around this place. Even if the technical stuff I have to work on up until race time. Um, I mean, I, I want to say it helps, but I don't know. I'll oh, just say it helps. Yeah, I, I want to be like, yes, David helped. But it, yeah. I, I don't know because it was it's so different. You're basically yeah. flat out in a truck. And what everything we're doing in these cup cars, at least what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from people and what I'm finding works, is just vastly different than anything we've had in stock cars before. So uh, I, I think that it's, it's, as you said, it's knowing the track. It's having lap time or seat time on the track, yep. having laps, knowing the bumps, that sort of thing helps. But it's... It's a vastly different world in the Cup Garage. All right, you put on your TV hat just a little bit, took a look I around can do the garage. That. Hold on. Yep, there you okay. go. He switched. Uh, what do you see in the, comp- in the competition today? Obviously, the, the top speed this afternoon set was over 190 miles per hour. How's the field look? I mean, it's, it's obviously tight. Back to 28th, we were six tenths off the leaders. So um, it's a very tight field. I think we're continuing to see the cars that have been the best on the mile and a half show that strength. I was a little surprised Harvick was a little slower, and I believe he was like 14th. Um, you know, and then I, I think the Penske cars have brought a lot of speed this weekend. If you look at the 12, the 2, the 22. Um, so that was surprising me. Obviously, Denny Hamlin was fastest. And I, I think what we're seeing is, you know, you're seeing the speeds go up because the teams, as we do, find speed, right? That's mm-hmm. the job of a race team is to go choose the, use the tools at hand to find speed. And so we're seeing these teams continually find speed in cars that are supposed to be slower than they were four years ago, but they're finding the ways to inch back. And that's, that's just part of the game. It's interesting you talk about the, the Penske cars. I, I stopped by the 12 car of Blaney for just a second, and somebody told me, yeah, we've got the speed, and Ryan knows now it's all on him. So that technical aspect, how nerve-wracking is qualifying at this track at night? Well, it's rising the grip level. You Basically, you got one lap. That's, you know, your first lap on track's going to be your fastest, so you have to hit it right away. Maybe the Penske cars have a little bit extra motivation with Roger getting in the Hall of Fame, obviously. But uh, Absolutely. I think, you know, the the... The, the technical side of it is it's just, as I said before, it's fractions and such minute, tiny details of what we do in the car that makes the biggest difference, as we have a lovely engine starting here in the background. We do. I have to ask you one more thing. We did uh, lean over to Castle beforehand about the 600 miles. What did he tell you? He said, uh, I might be a little tired come Monday, and I got to do NASCAR America on Monday. So hopefully I can find a way to wake up. Maybe it'll be like one of those uh, triple coffee days come Monday or something. Krista, are you hosting Monday? You might have a tired puppy here. <laughs> I am not, but if I if I were, I would have a coffee ready for Parker. Luckily, the coffee shop hours are, are pretty yes. long here at, uh, in Stamford, Connecticut. Okay, that was ARCA qualifying, by the way. Those engine yep. sounds are getting ready to happen at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're going to certainly be watching Parker um, tonight. Yes. But are there other drivers to watch, not just in qualifying, but in the race, especially after what they did last weekend in the All-Star? Yeah, I think there's two or three. Um, I, I think we have to go to, to Daniel Suarez, who had a great All-Star race. And again, it's a different set of rules this week than it was last week. But let me tell you something. Motivation doesn't know the rules. Uh, having that momentum 
doesn't know the rules. He found some things last week as a driver and was able to compete with Kevin Harvick and those guys and run with those guys and say, okay, I'm capable of them with this package. Why can't I do it with the other package? So I think we'll see a different Daniel Suarez. I also go back and I look at A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, I look at Paul Menard. Uh, I look at Alex Bowman, who these two or three of these guys won those first few segments in the All-Star Open uh, and then came back in the big race and ran fairly strong. So I think we've got some players who are young, who are motivated, who are going to take last week and say, I can run with these guys. And, and then we heard Parker, and Parker had some very interesting observations uh, about the technical aspects of what this car is. I think those guys last week learned with that with that package, how far they could stretch the boundaries on that car, getting in the corner, running flat out, doing different things. I think they'll bring that package back. We've seen speeds over 190 miles an hour. They'll be more confident. And let me tell you, as a Kevin Harvick, as a Martin Truex, as a Kyle Busch, to throw a new guy in that mix and have to race him is a little bit nerve-wracking for you because those guys that run up front all the time know what each other do. You throw those other guys that are in and out – They don't know as much. So it's a little bit different. So this could be an exciting turn this week. Yeah, and this weekend, too, something that's different in addition to those extra 100 miles, uh, an extra stage. Yes. So if you are someone like an Alex Bowman or an A.J. Allmendinger who's maybe not used to, all of a sudden you get yourself a stage win. Or you do something to kind of up that confidence even more. What does that do for you as a driver? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge for the driver, and it's huge for the team. Um, I, I think... As we look at this race, and you say, this is the only race with an extra stage. All the stages are equal. Um, And it was interesting listening to to Landon Castle talk this morning a little bit about how whatever strategy you run in the first segment, you can duplicate in the second, third, and fourth segment because we don't have the varying lengths of the stages. So that's going to be interesting to see how how the crews call it. Uh, The last segment for the driver uh, is a mental thing. It's just getting past that point to say, you know, I've got to put this extra 100 laps in. It's like running a marathon. They say 21 miles is the wall, and you've got that five extra miles that you've got to run to make it to 26. You're going to hit that wall about 500, 520. Not literally. You're going to hit a mental wall, and you're going to say, I've got to work through it. Yeah. All right. Well, more from the track coming up, including Daniel Suarez. You just mentioned him. We're going to hear from him in just a little bit. Also, on today's show, Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio joins us with his thoughts on the NASCAR Hall of Fame's class of 2019. And our Mission 600 series continues as Brad Kozlowski, a longtime supporter of our military, explores the world's largest naval station. That's going to be cool. But up next, we'll go back out to Charlotte Motor Speedway and hear from Daniel Suarez as he prepares for Sunday night's main event. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Just a reminder, tomorrow is the NASCAR America Motorsports Special. We'll get you ready for the biggest day in racing with reports from both Charlotte and Indy. We're on at a special time of 3.30 Eastern following NBCSN's coverage of Carb Day from Brickyard. And practice earlier today at Charlotte. Here's what some of the drivers had to say. How was your fitness for 400 laps? Because you haven't done as much racing this season. I mean, you look in great shape, but this is a grueling test for you guys over the course of day to night. Yeah, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll make it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in. Um, uh, not that anybody ever wants to brag about anything, but as far as where I've been the last 
20 years i'm in pretty good shape right now i've had a lot of time to train <laughs> the last six months and um so I've, I've i'm in i'm not worried about the physical aspect of it i'm more worried about trying to keep up get our cars a little faster you know so we can uh you know first of all stay in the lead lap second of all hopefully start moving forward and getting getting kind of in the mix and start to get forward Bubba, this is the first 600 to feature three alumni of the Drive for Diversity program. You, obviously, and Suarez and Larson, um, obviously a small step, but what's it like to see some progress for representation of minority groups in NASCAR? That's big. Um, being, you know, kind of on the leader of the forefront of that uh, with myself and, and or with uh, Suarez and Larson, you know, we all kind of know the roles that we, we, we carry and, and – um, and and you know what it's like to kind of be in that spotlight and you know we're i'm starting to see more minorities and, and just a different demographic at the racetrack and 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 followers on social media so it's all continuing to grow it's it's nothing it's not huge numbers that are flowing in and it's not going to happen like that you know the outsiders that look into the sport think that um you know switching manufacturers and and new driver and and all this stuff that teams just kind of change things overnight and become a superior team that's not how it works and and it goes for the same as as changing up the demographic you know it's all about word of mouth and and getting you know one fan or one family out to for them to go back or for them to experience the the excitement of this sport and what it has to offer and them to go back and tell the next family and it's like a you know a cycle and one of those drivers you heard mentioned who has to be feeling optimistic about the Coca-Cola 600 is Daniel Suarez. And I know it's loud there, Dave, but if you can hear me, take it away. We can hear you, and Daniel can't hear you, though, so I'll just ask him some questions. But, yes, practice on the track. You had a lot of practice this week, and you had a fantastic last week. Are you still just so excited about the All-Star race, how it concluded? Now, you didn't win, though, but you were so close. You know I'm still excited about it because definitely was a it was a good day overall. Uh, you know, winning the Open and transferring to the All-Star race and then having such a strong run, it was a good day for us. But for whatever reason, when you finish fifth, sixth, fourth, you are happy, right? Because you run well. Yeah. But when you finish second and you were that close of winning the race, the trophy, and a million dollars, my heart is still broken right now. So... You know, I'm happy, but I'm still a little disappointed, and uh, hopefully we can change that this Sunday. Today you jump in the car, and instead of going in the low 170s, you go in the high 180s in qualifying trim. How was that transition? It is different. It is different for sure. Last week we had a lot of downforce, less power. We were, we were going wide open fairly easy. Once we're in the pack, it was, it was a different game for sure, but right now we are back into a normal game. A lot of power, no downforce, moving around, tight, loose. So we are, we are back back to normal. And uh, so far, actually, pretty happy with my 19 Intercept batteries here at Cambry. My guys, they've been doing a very good job. So hopefully we can keep it up, have a good qualify tonight, and uh, see what we got for, for Saturday in practice. That's right. And then, so you were seventh in practice overall. Chance at the pole tonight, do you think? I think we, we have a pretty good shot. I think we have a, for sure a top five car. Um, you know, we, we have to keep working on it. And the first time out today, I wasn't super happy. Second time out, I was okay. The last time out, I was happy. So I'm looking forward to be very happy 
to get a pole. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out if he's happy. Why has Charlotte been so good to you, Daniel? Great runs last year in your rookie season. You know, for whatever reason, sometimes you just find those racetracks that you feel comfortable and you race well, you feel confident. Your team has a good, uh, you know, set up, a, a good uh, package for that racetrack. And, and I feel like it's been my case for Charlotte Morris Speedway. Uh, I love racing at home as well. I have a lot of friends here, family members coming. It's always fun racing at home. So, um, you know, it just, this is one of those places I feel comfortable. Uh, obviously, it's not my house, but it's now my home. So, looking forward to perform well one more time. It was the jump to 600 miles over the 300-mile Xfinity race. Was that a big deal? It is a big deal, man. And this is a marathon. This, that's exactly what it is. You know, you have to race hard, be patient, and, uh, and, and to control your race. That's extremely, that's extremely important. So, uh, you know, know because you are extremely good. In the, in the first part of the race, that means that you're going to be great in the second half of the race where when it's going to be, you know, cooler at night and all that kind of stuff. So most likely, if you're good in the first 100 laps, you better make adjustments because that's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> so the big adjustment we've made here is it's gotten quiet at the racetrack. And Daniel, you know that when it gets quiet, snakes sometimes <laughs> appear. And I understand that it was quiet earlier today at Joe Gibbs Racing and Snakes appeared? What happened? Yeah, man. I'm not a big fan of snakes to start with. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. <laughs> even even when I have a snake on the Mexican flag, right? So I'm not a big fan of snakes. And actually, I was in the shop this morning uh, doing some, some stuff with Coach, but I didn't see the snake in person. And then I saw on Twitter, and I saw the big black snake, and I said, oh, my God, I'm glad, I'm glad I, wasn't, I wasn't close to that door. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, you know, the town of Huntersville will have to give us a PSA or something for right. all the publicity because they've been, that snake and that door and jockey racing has been everywhere this morning. Warning, black snakes entering race shops. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> Krista, run for cover. Yeah, I, I knew it was coming when you guys were started talking about that because we saw that, but wow. Uh, I don't know who was, if anyone yeah. was brave enough to open the door with that. I would say another team did that. Yeah. Just drop that off um, that? as a little gift. Remember that time no, you told me about time. the guy? I don't remember that time. No. <laughs> don't, don't go there. Don't go there. You know, hey, I love this kid. Yeah. Love to hear His him excitement. talk. I mean, he talks about you run fourth, you run fifth, you're happy. You run second, my heart is still broken. Yeah, And it's just plain. You understand that. Your heart's broken because you had a shot at winning a race. You had a shot. And, and I loved what he said. We were good. We were happy. We were not happy. We were happy. I'm looking forward to being happy tonight. You know what I mean? So so optimistic. And I think that's what we talked about earlier. The momentum and the motivation of last week that he got driving that car. Again, different package, different package. We heard him speak to it. But inside his head, he knows he can do that. And he's looking forward to qualifying. Thinks he's got a top five car. Thinks he's got a car that can be competitive. Already has talking about a game plan on first hundred laps versus last hundred laps. So uh, he's going to be a guy that we're going to we're going to be talking about for a long time. Yeah, and he talked about controlling your race. Already yes. understands it's a long. He said marathon. Well, yes. you, you, that's exactly what yes. you said. Uh, so yeah, Daniel's very um, gotten very smart very quickly uh, on the cup side. Coming up, it takes a lot to impress Brad Keselowski. He had to travel to Norfolk, Virginia, but we found something that made his jaw drop. You will see what it is in the latest edition of Mission 600. That's next on NASCAR America.
we weren't going to be fast at the beginning. And we'd be there when it got dark and the lights came on. Checkers are out. And it's Jeff Gordon, victorious. His first ever Winston Cup victory in one of the biggest races of the ball. I'm speechless. This is the greatest day of my life. That was the first of Jeff Gordon's 93 Cup Series wins. It happened in the sport's longest race back in 1994. Yesterday, Gordon joined Davey Allison, Alan Kowicki, Roger Penske, and Jack Roush as the newest members of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It was a joyful and emotional day for all involved. You never know until they announce your name. I didn't know how to handle uh, leading up to this moment or how I would feel, but it's an amazing accomplishment, and I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of this group. Anybody that goes in the Hall of Fame, they sacrificed everything for racing and for NASCAR, and it became their life. And to be honored by going in the Hall of Fame, it makes it all worthwhile and makes it very, very special. That's awesome. You know, on the backs of giants, I've been carried to success and to a recognition that otherwise I could not have been, that would have been beyond my grasp individually. Jack gave so many people an opportunity uh, and a second chance that other people wouldn't. Uh, and, and when he gave you that opportunity, he expected you to take it and run with it and wanted nothing less. And I, I learned more in the time I worked for him than I have at any point in my life. He taught me more because he allowed me to fail and he allowed me to succeed. I hope I get a chance to see Bobby Allison give him a big hug. I'm so happy for him and his family having Davey. And Davey meant a lot to all of us, but he was special to me. You know, for some reason, he embraced me when I first came into the sport. And, and so I, I can't wait to give him a big hug. Yeah, what an incredible day for me and for the family. It always was a, a, an upper when things went wrong racing. You know, he always would say, we'll get him tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be fine. It's like I can hardly talk about it without bawling because that's all we've done for the past 20 minutes. And so it just, um, it means so much to us. And I know it would mean so much to Davey. He was such a humble person that he would just be honored to even have been mentioned in, in the group with any of these people were, that were on the ballot with him. To me, so much about Davey was not just who Davey Allison was in the car as a competitor, but it's who he was as a person and what he brought to the fans. And, you know, fans tell me all the time how much they adore Davey, and, and he adored them. I just want to say thank you to everybody who voted for him and, and for the fans who have just tirelessly voted for him. It has made such a difference, I know, um, in the room voting, but also in our hearts because our, our family so much appreciates it. And that's what I was just gonna say, the appreciation you yes. hear in all those interviews, Kyle. All of them. Just how, how much it means. It, that, that's what you hear every year. Every year from, from the people who have been voted in, you just hear how humbled they are in that moment. Uh, we were talking about earlier. I, this is a, an interesting thing that has come about. You look at Jeff Gordon, started his career in 92. Richard Petty ends his career. Alan Kowicki wins a championship. Davey Allison is racing for a championship. Robert Yates is already in the Hall of Fame. Bill Elliott's... If we take that 92 race and just spread it out and look at the individuals that are in that race that have been nominated for the Hall of Fame or are already in the Hall of Fame, it's pretty spectacular. So this was the culmination, as Jeff said, of a life's worth of work uh, to get to this point.
And speaking of emotion, there was another moment uh, during the announcement yesterday, another name that was called. It was NASCAR's landmark award winner. It ended up going to a gentleman who was a track operator, a journalist, a public relations representative, <laughs> and a NASCAR executive. Uh, we're going to show you the emotion. It's Mike Helton, NASCAR's vice chairman, who did the honors. And it's my honor to be able to introduce to you the 2019 landmark award winner, my good friend Jim Hunter. And for me, that said it all. That said it all. You, you, you see him look down. You see that little smile come across Mike's face. And then he announces Jim Hunter. Jim, Jim Hunter meant so much to the sport. I don't, I don't think the landmark award is huge. It's, it is huge. It's just as huge as being put into the Hall of Fame as a Jeff Gordon, as an Alan Kowicki, as a Davey Allison. Uh, we look at Jim, a journalist in the 50s in the Columbia area at the Columbia paper there. Uh, worked for the Atlanta Journal. Uh, ended up working with my dad at Dodge as a PR guy. Uh, working at Darlington Raceway as a PR guy. Came back and worked and ran Darlington. I used to kid him. They used to have that thing, Darlington, too tough to tame. And I always said it was too cheap to pay because they never <laughs> would repave the place. Uh, but then he came to NASCAR and he led and, and kind of nurtured so many young journalists and so many people in the way PR and the way marketing should be done in NASCAR. Uh, I know a lot of the reps that are out there, a lot of where NASCAR is today is because of Jim Hunter, his guidance. He's that front guy that's out there with the microphone speaking, telling the press where we're going, telling the fans. He was a leader in every sense of the word, uh, has been missed greatly since his departure. But So this is a great, great honor for him and for the Hunter family. And from my perspective, as you mentioned that, yeah, he was someone who always said it like it was, yes. you know, told it like it is, but was accessible and likable and did the job right. And I think for a lot of fans out there, you may not necessarily be familiar with his name, but probably as soon as his face popped up, you said, yeah. oh, I've seen that guy at the yes. track, or I know that. You know, he did so many things in so many different avenues of the sport. Yes. Okay, let's keep this Hall of Fame thing going, because with Davey Allison being voted into the class of 2019, he and his father, Bobby, become the fourth father-son duo in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. One of the other father-sons, of course, in the hall are the Jarrett's, Gentleman Ned, and our own Dale Jarrett. And we sort of bring that up because speaking of the Jarrett's, last night was a special one for DJ's son, Zach, who is a prospect for the Baltimore Orioles. He hit his ninth home run of the year against the Hickory Crawdads of the South Atlantic League. The game was played in the Jarrett's hometown of Hickory, North cool. Carolina. Zach's team, the Delmarva Shorebirds, won the game 7-0. So it's very cool. The father-son uh, yeah, legacy just cool. sort of continues. Really cool to do that in Hickory as well. Good time to remind you we'll be here tomorrow for a special edition of NASCAR America from 3.30 to 5. We'll get you ready for the biggest day in racing by highlighting some of the traditions surrounding both the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. One of those traditions is a long-standing appreciation for our nation's military. Mission 600, an initiative from Charlotte Motor Speedway and the Department of Defense, took NASCAR drivers to the men and women who serve our country. Brad Kozlowski, who has had a long-standing partnership on the track with the U.S. Navy, went to Norfolk, Virginia for a tour of the world's largest naval station. Uh, for really two reasons. One is to promote our support for our, our nation's soldiers, and two, to showcase that uh, we're honoring them for Memorial Day weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Hey, how are you, sir? Hey, nice Very to meet nice you. to meet you. To me, this hey, is a nice tremendous to opportunity you. to get to see our nation's heroes. This is essentially what the flight deck would look like with a full squad. It's a great chance to engage. You know, 
Sometimes I think we rely on people to come to us, but sometimes you got to go to the people. Yeah, I got guys over here driving. I've got another officer that's going to be giving directions. And it's all controlled through this system here. It's all touchscreen. So there's no gas pedal? No gas pedal. No gas pedal, sir. Like anything else, it always helps to appreciate something that you've seen in person. Uh, a vessel and a vehicle like this with the team that it takes to operate uh, of a major aircraft carrier like the USS Gerald Ford, that's really an amazing experience. Well, you got a lot of fans on board. Likewise, we're big fans of you. Luck, okay? Thank you very much, Thank sir. Thank you. Uh, you know, I get a lot of credit as being a race car driver, but what they're willing to do is just on a whole nother level, the, the risk and the commitment uh, that they have just, just amazes me. I've always been so impressed. Uh, I feel privileged to be in the, the position I am. I just have a, a great amount of respect to those that uh, have served and, and are serving. Just another cool look at how NASCAR yeah. and the military are tied together. That, that was that was nice. And the ones we've seen this week are nice. But I am going to say this. Brad said the other day when we were interviewing him for some of the stuff with NBC that if he hadn't have been a race car driver, he would have joined mm -hmm. and gone into the military. So he has a tremendous amount of respect for all branches. Yeah, absolutely. His foundation does a lot yes. with military members as well. You're going to see the final part of our Mission 600 series tomorrow in our NASCAR America Motorsports Special as Alex Bowman joins in training with the Coast Guard at Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Coming up, what are you, the fans, saying about NASCAR's newest Hall of Fame class? Well, Pete Pistone of Sirius XM will tell us, plus, which driver does Pete think will end up in victory lane this weekend? That's all next. Serena Williams is back on the famous red clay courts in Paris for her first major appearance since her return. The French Open begins Sunday at noon on NBC, part of NBC Sports Championship season presented by Canada Dry Ginger Ale and Lemonade. It is time now to get a feel for what the fans are talking about. And for that, we bring in Pete Pistoni from Sirius XM NASCAR's The Morning Drive. Pete, what were the fans saying today about the Hall of Fame choices? I think the thing we heard this morning on the morning drive, Krista, was all the choices everybody was really happy with. You know, I think we go through this every year. I mean, the 20 names that the voters have to look at, there's not one under that doesn't deserve consideration. And I think the folks felt like they got everything right. I think the one puzzling piece was, how was Jeff Gordon not a unanimous decision and only had 96% of the vote for everything that he did? And then the other conversation that came up was, Alan Kowicki got 46% of the vote. Are we at a point now where if you don't get 50% of the room, maybe we shouldn't put five people in? Not saying Alan's not deserving, but that was sort of the conversation we had from the listeners this morning on TMD. Yeah, what, what do you think about that? Because honestly, uh, as you say, if you can't get 50% of the room, and we've had a number of people, uh, Fred Lorenzen got 30% of the room. That's all he got when he was voted in. If you can't get 50% of the room, in a Hall of Fame ballot, should we go to five? Are we going to run out of people? Kyle, I think that I'm on the same page as you. Um, yeah, we've got 70 years of history, but I want the Hall of Fame to be the most exclusive thing that anybody could ever work their way into. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the people that are there or the people that went in yesterday. But if you can't get half the room, 50%, to me, I do think there maybe should be a threshold. And maybe 50% is where we set it. And guess what? If there's a year where we put four people in, three people in, it's still an honor, and I'd be okay with that. I'm also a guy like you that sometimes think that some of the veterans get overlooked. I would have had Raymond Fox on my list, and the more we have these contemporary people that are going to be eligible, like next year when Tony Stewart comes in and Carl Edwards and that group, I think the harder for those guys to be recognized is going to be part of those process. So maybe it's time to examine this as we get to year 10. I think 50% should be a good threshold. 
Okay, let's steer it forward to this weekend's race. What are the fans saying or what is the conversation uh, about the all-star race, the package, what we saw on track compared to what we're going to see on Sunday, Pete? Guys, this is probably breaking news. You, you listen to the channel. When you get overwhelming response from listeners that everybody liked something, that's like, that never happens. And we didn't really hear one call from a listener who didn't like the all-star race and the rules package there. Now the question becomes, we're not going to have that rules package. What kind of racing are we going to see? So the listeners are sort of like, well, is this going to be the old single file, mile and a half, 600 mile race that we're kind of used to? Maybe, but I don't think anybody should think you're going to get that two, three, four wide racing we saw with that other rules package. I think it's going to be more of a traditional grueling 600 miles on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah, when, when you talk about last week's package versus this week's package. Do you believe that a Daniel Suarez or a, um, a Paul Menard, a guy like that who had a good run, can bring some momentum to this and maybe change this race a little bit from a perspective of making it two or three wide, making it a little bit more excitement uh, than the usual suspects? You know, Kyle, you, let, you brought up Daniel Suarez. We actually had him on the morning drive today, and he said just that. Yeah, the rules is the rules are different. The car is going to handle different. But he felt like maybe he knows a little bit more of maybe where that race car could go. So maybe it does give him a little more confidence going in to the weekend. And, you know, Menard and those kinds of guys, maybe they did learn something. But I do think it's going to be, to me, you got to go back to the, the guys that we've seen be good all year long. And Kevin Harvick's got to start that conversation. I think the four car is going to be the one everyone's chasing on Sunday, most likely. And what we really learned today was that your listeners don't always agree. It's hard to get them to agree on something. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the overriding theme. Shocking. The only thing they agree on is they love the morning drive and they love NASCAR America. Other than that, I can't get them to agree on anything else. That's it. That's really all that, we need. That's all I need. That's yeah. all I need, man. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys. Always fun. Coming up, we will head back to Charlotte Motor Speedway to see what happened in Xfinity Series practice, plus Dave Burns and Landon Castle on what we expect in tonight's qualifying. That's straight ahead. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. This weekend, the drama continues as the world's best riders head to San Bernardino to attack the steepest hills in Southern California. Lucas Oil Motocross Glen Helen National, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. You even old enough to drive, pretty boy? Watch you hop in, we'll find out. Nice driving. Save my first rodeo. Team Penske's Ryan Blaney making a cameo. You're laughing. You're, why are you laughing? That was great. That was <laughs> making, great. That making was a great. cameo <laughs> in the series Taken, starring Clive Standen and Jennifer Beals. And you can check out Ryan's appearance Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Now, his teammate, uh, Austin Sindrick, is driving the number 12 for Roger Penske in the Xfinity Series race this weekend. Xfinity practice highlights from earlier today, and that is Sindrick uh, getting pretty loose there, Kyle. Great job. That thing was wrecked. Uh, it, when a car steps out that far and you can see it on TV, uh, it's huge. Okay, this there up in the wall is 20-year-old Vinnie Miller. That's the 01 JD Motorsports Chevy. He blows a tire, slams into the wall. Yeah, he had some kind of issue, obviously. I, I, I think because um, I was watching practice when this went on. 
he hadn't even got up to speed. He had just basically come down the front stretch, cut a tire, goes into the wall uh, early. So he never even really got a decent lap out there. Okay, that's what they're going to figure out. You see Miller there. He's okay. He gets out of the car. His car took heavy damage, forces his team to a backup ride. Landon Castle, making sure everything's all right with Miller. Landon is his driver coach. Topping the charts is Kyle Busch, who has eight Xfinity Series wins at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Daniel Hemrick was the fastest among the series regulars. He was fourth overall at just over 180 miles per hour. And with more from the Speedway, here's Dave Burns and Landon Castle. And we are in the Xfinity Series garage, Krista, with Landon, who was on track earlier today in qualifying practice. What was your experience on the Charlotte Motor Speedway? Well, it's only a 50-minute practice session, so it's very short. You really only have time for, like, two or three runs, and you have to make good adjustments for each run. So our first two runs, we didn't have productive adjustments until our very last one. So now for me, going into qualifying, I know that I'm going to pick up a lot of speed. The key is just not hitting the racetrack with the car. That's going to be what cost me the most speed in qualifying tonight. So if you see sparks under my car tonight, that's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, but low air and, and stuff during qualifying, so it's possible we'll see a little of that anyway? Yeah, I mean, the track typically picks up at night here. The sun goes down. This track is very temperature sensitive. So the speeds pick up, and when those speeds pick up, there's more load on the car. So you have to compensate for that with the heights. I'll tell you what has not slowed down, Landon, has been the buzz this week about the uh, performance package that the cars ran last week in the All-Star Race, which you were in. Uh, you were in the open anyway. And so you understand that it worked to a big degree. What have you been hearing from drivers down here? Because Dustin Long has just posted an article to NBCSports.com where some owners are saying that they want to run the package yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's it's obvious that the fans really liked it. We were just talking to Daniel Suarez on the show a couple segments ago, and I asked him afterwards, I said, what did you think of that? I mean, you had such a great run. Are you partial to it? And, and he said, every fan that I've talked to loved the package, so we, we really got to give it a fair shot. Daniel thinks that the cars still have maybe, or they don't have enough horsepower. He thinks okay. they need a little bit more horsepower because at the end of the race, he had the oldest tires out of anybody in the field, and he was still wide open throttle, both ends of the racetrack, till the end of the race. So in his mind, I maybe could have done more with the car had I had to breathe the throttle just a little bit. Now, on the flip side, I kind of disagree with Daniel. Okay. I feel like... Um, having more horsepower is what would have allowed Kevin Harvick to drive away from the field when Daniel was in dirty air. You know, sometimes at these intermediate tracks, you see the leader or the second place car get in dirty air. The leader can throttle up, drive 20 car lengths away, and in two laps, he's got a five-second lead. With this package, we didn't see that. Kevin Harvick was clearly the better car, but he never could get outside of 10 car lengths ahead of Daniel. Daniel was always able to suck back up to him. And I think the horsepower is a big factor in that. You know, my car on the other end of the garage, racing in the open race, not as fast, not as competitive for that night as Daniel and Kevin Harvick in the all-star race. I wasn't wide open on both ends of the racetrack okay. like Daniel was. So clearly his car was just handling better than mine. I don't think we need more horsepower. All right. We'll see how that develops. Again, read up Dustin on NBCSports.com for more on that. Let's talk about tonight. Last item of business will well, actually, I think there's a race following qualifying, but yeah. you will have a qualifying effort. What are we going to see as temperatures cool here? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think speed is going to pick up just a little bit. The, the cars are a little bit slower than they were last year. And the other thing, too, is we we had a different because of the different package last week. These teams haven't qualified these cars like they did, like they usually do in the all star race. Mm -hmm. So the car is uh, unloading Q trim on Friday or on, on Thursday. And um just two runs on the racetrack. You see a lot of guys at the top of the leaderboard with three, four laps on their tires and not a lot of 
read on their car. So they're going to pick up a little bit of speed. They just need to anticipate that speed, and hopefully they're not hitting the racetrack and get through three rounds of qualifying to go for the pole. All right, well, thanks for joining us over here. Krista, that is a little bit of a qualifying preview and a little bit about the garage area buzz here from Charlotte. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Great job today, Dave, there from the racetrack. Thanks a lot for Landon, Parker, Daniel, everybody that Dave talked to. Up next, this day has special meaning for someone on our set today, and it's not me. Sunday's race is the longest on the schedule. Where exactly would 600 miles get you? Both of those topics coming up next. Coming up next here on NBCSN, it's the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West in the Sunrise Ford 150 from San Bernardino, California, featuring NASCAR Next members Haley Deegan and Derek Krause. That's coming up as soon as we're done on NASCAR America. And tomorrow is an action-packed day with the NASCAR America Motorsports Special. We'll look at Danica Patrick making the final start of her career Sunday at Indy. The Mission 600 Series wraps up with Alex Bowman, who recently spent time with the U.S. Coast Guard. And we'll also relive some of the legendary moments of NASCAR's longest race. That's tomorrow at a special time of 3.30 Eastern. This day in NASCAR history takes us back to 1987. It was when Kyle Petty outlasted the field to win the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Remember it well, don't you, Kyle? Yeah, those were the only two cars left running. No. 21 and 43. <laughs> yes, right there. It, it was a race of attrition, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Kyle Petty wins the Coca-Cola 600. He joins his dad, the King, as the first father-son duo with victories in this race. Listen, don't sell it short, Kyle. We said earlier. It was fun. Yes. How far is 600 miles, by the way? Uh... So from it's here, a long way. I can tell you it's a long yeah, way. Yeah, from Charlotte to Indianapolis is only 433. Pocono, 481. 80. You can get all the way from, from Charlotte to Grand Central Station and still not even really be close. You can get all the way here to our studio and be 47 miles short. Speaking of Connecticut, Joey Logano was 19th in cup practice this afternoon. Here's what he had to say. You know, I, I remember my first 600-mile race here. Um and I remember wearing the brakes off the car pretty quick <laughs> and uh, actually got faster when I wore the brakes off. So there was something there was more to it at that moment. But uh, it's definitely a racetrack that, you know, a race, the 600 mile race that you typically, uh, you know, wouldn't go hard every lap when there wasn't stages. But now uh, those stage points are so important. Qualifying is important, um, you know, keeping yourself up front. Um, but I think more than anything now, I guess as a driver, I've, I've realized the swing that this track's going to go through and where you are from the beginning to the end of the race. This track changes more than any track we go to from day to night. Uh, and it's going to go through, you know, a few couple swings, right? It's going to go from, from hot sun out to that twilight kind of moment to dark and cooling off and the groove comes back down to the bottom. Uh, all that stuff uh, will definitely come into play. And then now we got this PJ1 stuff, which... Lord knows what's going to happen with that. So uh, th there's a lot to take into consideration when we're when we're out there on the track, um, and the adjustments we make will be key during every pit stop. And I think it just you know over time you start to understand what those are more and more. And it's, it's Joey's birthday. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Joey. Happy birthday! Joey's looking forward to a 600 mile race so he doesn't have to change Hudson's diapers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, just kidding, Joey. Just kidding, Joey. Just kidding. Hey, can I be can I be blonde for a moment? Yeah, be Before blonde. we got to Joey, we were talking about how far 600 miles is, and I said you can get you can't even get from Charlotte Motor Speedway to where we are 
you're still you 47 here. miles short. And then I said, speaking of Connecticut. And in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> were we speaking of Connecticut? Yes, no, that's where we, we are. Were. So, we yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's why it, I was laughing. It, it is interesting. And I'm sitting here, and I, and I see the footage of, of me winning a race. Mm -hmm. And then I listen to Joey talk. I've heard Landon Castle talk. This sport has changed so much. Let's go back 30 years when I won that race. That's how long ago it's been. 12 engine failures. You had attrition everywhere. We hear Joey talk about when it was a 600-mile race without stages, you didn't have to go hard every lap. You just fell into a pace and ran it. This stage racing has changed what we see in NASCAR and what we see with these races. You've got to go hard every lap. You've got to get points in these stages. You've got to make something happen for yourself. It makes it harder on equipment. Used to, equipment failure was part of the narrative, part of the game. You had to make that car last. And it was a big thing to make a car last 600 miles from the team perspective and from the driver's perspective. So the whole face of the sport has changed. And now with one package last week, this package this week with... Uh, I guess Kevin Harvick and the Fords running so good on the mile and a half with the Toyota showing some strength here with the Chevys trying to catch up. There's so many unknowns going into this race. Then you throw in the drivers. And that last 100 mile, it's a mental exercise. I want people, when you sit at home and you watch this race, watch that last 100 miles. See who makes mistakes on pit road, speeding penalties, whatever happens there. It becomes hit your marks, make things happen, and put yourself in a position to win if you catch a late caution. So it's going to be an interesting race. It's really like great athletes, you know, when they're in sort of power punch situations, you know, a yeah. playoff situation. They're not doing anything different than they've always done, no. but something about what happens up here, yeah. and you're saying that could and potentially will happen in those last 100, it, it, 100 miles. The, the mental part. The mental part for the crew chief, think about it. This is a four, four-and-a-half-hour race. You're sitting on that box. You're making those calls. It goes from evening into night. From a driver's perspective, it goes from the sunshine into the light, mm -hmm. uh, from the from the night racing. As so many things changes. You've got to stay on top of everything. You always take me into the light. Yeah, Kyle. into the light. We'll go towards the light. Tomorrow's people. show will to be a great light. kickstart to the weekend of racing. Don't forget to join us at 3.30 Eastern for our motorsports special. Our thanks to Dave Burns for steering everything for us from Charlotte. We will see you again right here tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.